0: Okay, let me hook you into this passage just with a couple of thoughts, okay? I want you to picture a couple of things in your mind, and then we'll read the text. But to just help you access it, think of treasure on the one hand. Okay, so you've got something shiny in your head right now. Treasure. And I want you to think of that treasure as the powerful good news of God's rescue. And that's the treasure. God's rescue in Christ. What a wonderful rescue. There it is. There's the treasure. And on the other hand, jars of clay. That's the other image here. Jars of clay. And by that, we're talking about weak bodies, afflicted with trial and suffering and difficulty. Jars of clay. Okay, treasure and jars of clay. And then we'll read. We'll jump in at verse 7. Here we go. We have this treasure in, in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory That far outweighs them all. And so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay. I take it that everyone here in the church tonight, and in fact, everyone around the town, presumably across the whole country, would want to say it's true that everyone would at least want to say we do not we will not lose heart we do not lose heart even over things like what's just taken place we do not lose heart and even though we've been confronted with something very shocking frightening there's a part of us that's being renewed inwardly that's the verse that we're going to look at in a moment verse 16 we just read it to you Therefore we don't lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. So our bodies and our circumstances just speak a weak a weak voice. Our bodies are giving way. Our circumstances are difficult. We're looking out on the world and it looks pretty bleak. Though outwardly things are wasting away, that's true, inwardly, inside, in our inner life, God is making something, growing something, building something there's something being renewed there's something getting newer day by day as our bodies get older and more weary and we're more troubled and afflicted on the outside nevertheless on the inside something's growing we're being replenished refreshed renewed and i do think everyone would want that i don't think anyone even if a Even if you go through a very difficult time of grief and sadness and pain and loss and all these kind of things, there may be a time to mourn. But at some stage, you're going to want to come out of that, aren't you? You don't want to stay there. I don't want to stay in that dejection and being downcast. I want to be restored. And I want to be able to say, with verse 16, we do not, I do not lose heart. That's the sentiment of the passage here. And I want us to say it in a way that it's not just with speaking empty words into thin air. It's not just a stiff British upper lip that we're going to do this no matter what. We won't lose heart. We won't be perturbed. We won't be disturbed by something like this. We're going to just keep marching forward nonetheless like a sort of a a good soldier. Rather, what I want to do tonight, really, the big thing I want to do from this passage is to get breeze blocks underneath this plank imagine a plank right here's the plank and on the side of that plank it says we do not lose heart okay there's the plank and it's not just sat on nothing right it's sat on two big concrete breeze blocks that are holding up this statement with truth with god's truth And I want to just see and examine what that truth is. Because it comes comes in two parts. That's why I've got two. My illustration has two breeze blocks. The first part is verses 7 to 15. Paul says a whole bunch of things. He goes, blah, 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 blah. And then he says, therefore, we do not lose heart. That's what he says in verse 16. So he's made a whole bunch of points. And then he says, because of all that stuff, therefore, we don't lose heart. So that's breeze block one. Which we'll look at now. That is the first thing that's getting under this statement we don't lose heart. And then straight afterwards, he says we don't lose heart, verse 17, because, for, and then he lists a few other things. We don't lose heart because of these things. And there's our second breeze block. So this is my talk, right? It's two breeze blocks. Two breeze blocks of truth. That's what we're going for. That get underneath a sentiment. We're not going to lose heart. Okay, it's what I'm trying to do. So let's look at the first breeze block. And it has four things. Four things I want to list out for you. Here's the first. Verse seven. Weakness. Weakness is God's way of showing his strength and the life of Jesus. Let me read to you verse seven again. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Treasure, the goodness of God, his rescue in the face of Jesus. That's the treasure in jars of clay, weak human bodies, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Now, he repeats the idea in verse 10. Let me show it to you again. He says, Paul says, We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. It's really powerful language. Our body is like showing off the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed. Verse 11. We who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. His life may get revealed. So it's a sort of, I mean, the best way to illustrate this, I think, is possibly David and Goliath, right? Here we go. We know the story. Little David, shepherd boy, wet behind the ears, his little slingshot goes up against the giant, right? Now, if a giant had gone up against a giant well, and, and one of them had won, well, you'd be like, well, okay, fair enough. It was a bit of a fair contest. But if a shepherd boy goes up against a giant and wins, then weakness, insignificance wins. And everyone on that battlefield that day goes, God must have been at work here. God must have been at work here. Because weakness doesn't win, not against a giant. The apostle Paul must have looked at Jesus on the cross and seen there he is in shame having a violent death handed to him and yet Paul could see God was working a mighty salvation through that weakness and death and so he goes it's going to be the same it's going to be the same for us Our weakness is going to be the opportunity for God to show his strength. And therefore, we do not lose heart. You see? Because when I'm weak, God is shown to be strong. Therefore, we don't lose heart like that. Second thing. When we're expended and drained and we become a source... In that moment, we become a source of life to other people. Let me show you that. Verse 12. Following on from the argument in verse 11, he says, So then, death is at work in us, he says. Death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. So many tributes to Sir David basically went along the lines of, here was a guy who spent his life it's an interesting word even the fact that we say that he was spent he spent his life in the service of other people and his constituents particularly that was the testimony wasn't it and that's the principle it's a kingdom principle the lord's like yes as we spend ourselves and life drains away and ebbs out from us and we feel exhausted at the end of the day do you do that Do you ever get to the end of the day and just feel like I have been utterly poured out? I feel spent, drained, diminished. (laughs) And the Lord's like, I will use that. I'm going to use that to encourage the church, to encourage others. I'm going to use that to create life in other people. And therefore, we don't lose heart. It's another part of Paul's argument. Because when we're spent out, Others are encouraged. Paul's like, therefore, we don't lose heart. Third, God won't test us beyond what we're able to withstand. Here's another big biblical principle. Verse 8 and 9. You'll recognize the verses. We're hard-pressed on every side but not crushed. Perplexed but not in despair, Persecuted but not abandoned. Struck down but not destroyed. Four adjectives there that describe the Christian life. I wonder if you use them quite often in your your morning prayer time. Here we go. Paul says, here's what a Christian looks like. Hard-pressed on every side. Perplexed. Persecuted. And struck down. portrait of the Christian, the Christian life, according to the Apostle Paul. Almost that I would imagine, I wonder as a church, we need to sort of reconfigure here a little bit. To Paul's mind, I think a season of respite, if we enjoy a time of comfort and ease and respite and peace, praise God, that's great. But I would imagine in Paul's mind, the normal Christian life will feel like hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. And you know, as I was preparing this sermon yesterday, I did just stop and thank God that we have the word perplexed there. I I went ahead and checked it in the other translations. I, I just thought to myself, I wonder if that's a correct translation of the Greek. I went through and had a look. Yeah, it is. Perplexed. You know, unanswered questions here, Lord. i got some, I got some unanswered questions. I am confounded by the situation I'm faced with right now. Can you imagine what uh, the family of Sir David are feeling and thinking? I mean, perplexed may be an understatement. Why? Why now? Why this? I mean, why this? This way. You know, do you ask yourself that in different scenarios, in grief, unanswered questions, perplexed? Isn't it good that Paul's like, "Yeah, that's part of the normal Christian life." I don't understand, but he says, "Not in despair." perplexed, but not despairing, hard-pressed, but not crushed, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed, because the Lord won't test you beyond what you're capable, and therefore, we do not lose heart. See that? It's part of the breeze block. Because the Lord won't test us beyond what we're able, therefore, we don't lose heart. Like that. Fourth, We will be raised from the dead with the church and with Jesus. Verse 14. Paul says, Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead, that's God, God the Father, will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you, the Corinthian church, to himself. And therefore, we don't lose heart, because what is so stark about something that happens like Friday's events? it's so cold-blooded, it's so brutal, it feels so strong and final, but for Christians, for us together, for Paul writing this letter, he was able just to look at Jesus and say, well, there was Jesus facing a death. I mean, what struck me about Friday was, I mean, it was violent. And of course, Jesus died a violent death. And just as Jesus, God took that and he raised him from the dead. So we as Christians, we look at that and we go, okay, with Jesus, so I We'll be raised. Death won't have the final sting and the final say. And I'll be raised with the church. With you, Paul says. With you, Corinthians. With you here in the parish of St. Michael's or wherever you might live. You'll be raised. I'll be raised with Jesus forever. And therefore, we don't lose heart. Therefore, we don't lose heart. Okay, that is the first breeze block. You see that? He lists all these mighty truths and goes, therefore we don't lose heart. And then he goes on to say, here's breeze block number two. He goes on to say verse 17, which is awesome. He goes on to say this, verse 17. We don't lose heart because, for, our light and momentary troubles Are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So there's a few words there, let's just pick on three of them. Let's pick on momentary first of all. Right? He says, Paul says, momentary afflictions, momentary trials, momentary things will soon give way to glory. So I don't think when Paul says that he means, you know, you're going to face 60-second trials, 60-second problems. I actually think he means a lifetime. You're going to face a lifetime of difficulty and struggle and weakness and pain and dodgy legs and a broken hip and bad back and, you know, things that they can't cure anymore, and, they, you know, all that sort of stuff. You'll face a lifetime of that, and Paul goes, that is momentary. Because when I compare it to 10,000 upon 10,000 ages in the presence of God forever, it can only be, it can surely only be just a moment. And for that reason, for that reason, we don't lose heart. And then he says they're light. It's the second word he uses. These afflictions are light. What we face in our bodies and what we face in coming against us, are light now it's not me saying this right i'm a relatively comfortable well fed warm i've got a house all this kind of thing it's not me saying our afflictions are light if i said it you could just ignore it but it was in fact paul and this is what else he said in 2 corinthians 11 you'll be familiar with this passage same letter okay same letter just a little bit further down the track he says this this is the apostle paul I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers and danger from bandits. In danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I have laboured and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked and besides everything else I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches." Any one of those things, like if I'd been shipwrecked for a day and a night, I would never stop talking about it. Everyone who met me, I'd say, well, can I, I've told you about the story when I was shipwrecked for a day and a night and spent a day and a night in the open seas. I just never stopped blurting about it. Here is Paul who lists off all of those things, all of those things. That was his experience. That was his life. And then he goes, Light. Light and momentary. And he does that because he knows, doesn't he? What does it say? He says, because for us, there's an eternal glory that is weighty, that far outweighs. He's picturing, he's gazing upon his salvation, upon the Lord Jesus, upon his future. And he's going, here is something very heavy. And when you drop that thing, onto the scales all my trials just go up like feathers all of them just fly up like they were nothing nothing at all light so paul says because these afflictions are light we do not lose heart we don't lose heart and then finally this is the last thing He says our afflictions produce. They actually achieve something. They produce. They affect something. They create glory. That's what he says. 17 again. Our light and momentary afflictions, troubles, are achieving, in this translation, producing, effecting, an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So that means... Every moment in hospital, every slanderous comment, every feeling of weakness as our bodies give way, every trouble, everything that's coming against us, everything that looks bleak and is difficult, all of that, the Lord says, I'm going to use that. I'm going to create out of that glory. So that our sufferings, if you like, our sufferings are not this a detached prelude, like, like just the beginning bit. And it has nothing to do with anything else. We're just going to suffer for a bit and then we'll enter into glory. Right? And this thing over here, these sufferings have nothing to do with this stuff over here. He goes, no, the sufferings, somehow, every moment of trial and difficulty and suffering and pain are working I'm going to let that work for great glory in the age to come. Now there's a whole sermon in there. I'm not going to I'm not going to preach a whole sermon in that. But enough to say, enough to say that every little thing that you face and deal with that's difficult and painful and hard the Lord's working, effecting, producing, creating glory. And because of that, we do not lose heart. See? And so he says, for all of these reasons, it's the chapter, isn't it? It's the chapter I've just tried to summarize for you. For all these reasons, we fix our eyes not in what is seen, but what is unseen. So we look to God, don't we? Brothers and sisters, we look to the Lord in our suffering and trials. We look to the Lord as we weaken and fade. That is happening to every single one of us. Ever since, ever since we were born, in fact, heading down into the grave. And even as we go there, it's almost like we can admit that. It sounds like a morbid thought. From the day I was born, I'm on a, I'm on a ticking, I'm on a sort of clock towards the grave. And as a Christian, I can freely admit, own up to that, and I can even say, even as my body just counts down towards the grave, there is a part of me that's growing and increasing and being renewed and getting ready for glory. And so I trust God with my death. I trust God with the means of my death. You know, I, even as we you know saw something or heard something what happened on Friday I don't know how I'm going to die I'm going to trust God in that I'm going to look to God with the unknowns about my future my unanswered questions and perplexity talked about that tonight though things may be perplexing I'm going to trust God that my suffering will bring him glory that he'll be seen to be the God of the battlefield my even when I'm the David up against a Goliath, I know that God's not going to test me beyond what I can manage and bear. I look to God that I'll be raised with Jesus and all the church, and that all my trials and pain and suffering will be light and momentary and will produce great glory. That's true. It's true. And so we don't lose heart. We do not lose heart. Let's pray. Great God of all comforts,